Welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I am your host for this episode, Valerie Danner. I'm quite excited for today's guest. With us today is Lawrence Winters, Chief Community Officer at SharePoint Technologies and the Chair of ALA's Committee on Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility, what we call the DEIA Committee. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Valerie. I'm super stoked to be here, and I really hope everyone's ready to have their eardrums rainbow-fied, share the love, <laughs> and hopefully we'll sprinkle some glittery wisdom around. I'm really excited to dive into all this fabulousness together. I am too. And I also just want to note, like, where are you calling from today? Because when I am on LinkedIn, I like to play where in the world is Lawrence Winters today? Because um, you're always somewhere fun. Yeah, I, I always am uh, always on the go here. But today I'm actually coming to you live from New York City. So I'm in my hotel room in the middle of uh, Manhattan and uh, I'm excited to do this. Awesome. We are so excited to have you today. Um, so as many of you know, um, DEIA is one of ALA's strategic direction pillars. Um, and last year, the Professional Development Advisory Committee actually suggested we do an article about how to make firms pay more attention to pride. And they're not just through June, but throughout the year um, for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and from that was the article was born for the May issue of legal management. And for those of you who might have read that feature, Lawrence was gracious enough to be vulnerable and share his story with us. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that, Lawrence. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I mean... As, as a gay man, you know, Pride Month coming up here in June, right around the corner, you know, it's not just a celebration for me as it is, I'm sure, for many others, but it's a deep personal journey that I've been through. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a, a small rural town in northwest Tennessee, and everybody always asks where, and I, it's an hour, about an hour and a half north of Memphis. Um, and, you know, my family was uh, extremely religious. Uh, we were Southern Baptists. Um, and I was even our church piano player. So, you know, very involved in the church growing up, um, you know, and I was raised to believe certain things, um, you know, one of which is that being gay is an abomination. And, you know, as I grew up and I started to notice that, you know, I was attracted to, to guys, I just remember having such an internal battle with myself over all of those feelings, uh, you know, cause I'd go to church, I'd hear, you know, the preacher talking about, all these things about, you know, being gay and, and hearing friends of family and family saying things about people that were gay. And, you know, as I, again, begin to develop that attraction to guys that I noticed, I, I, I'm just to the point where I would literally come home, you know, I'd go in the bathroom, I'd lock myself in the bathroom and I would literally just be on my hands and knees, you know, just praying and sobbing, you know, asking God to, you know, not make me feel the way I did because I knew that if my family found out about it, that it would be really detrimental to, for me. And, you know, I grew up also, you know, with a neighborhood that didn't have a lot of guy kids. It was all girls. So everybody in the neighborhood was girls, my sister. So I hung out with a lot of girls growing up and I had a lot of, um, I guess you could say like girly tendencies, like my, you know, my wrists were pretty loose, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. And, and I remember when I went into middle school, it actually caused me to have, um, you know, get made fun of a lot, a lot of bullying um, to the point where, you know, people would ask me, you know, are you a girl? And, um, you know, people and, and growing up, everybody called me LG because I guess I had a problem spelling my name Lawrence when I was in kindergarten. So everyone called me LG, which was my first initial, and my middle initial. And uh, people would literally say that, that, I, that my name was for a little girl. 
And even my full name, Orange George Winters, my initials LGW, people would say that it stood for Little Gay Wad, which again was just another point of bullying for me. So, you know, the only way that I found a way to get around that in school was to literally start dating girls. Um, and that was my real effort to try to help stop all of that, um, to stop the bullying. And, and even just from my family's perspective or from the church's perspective, you know, do the right thing by God and my family, et cetera. And I even remember when I was in seventh grade, I came home from school one day and my dad um, telling me, he's like, son, I'm going to teach you how to walk like a man. Because I guess he even picked up on the fact that I had a lot of girly tendencies, et cetera. So, you know, it was, a, it was a, uh, I'll say an interesting childhood. And, um, you know, when I finally went off to college and moved away from home, still in Tennessee, but in, in Northwest Tennessee, matter of fact, but, um, you know, I realized that, you know, being out on my own and stuff that I was like, you know, I don't have all the pressure that I had back home being that I couldn't be myself because I was worried I'd get kicked out or, you know, cut off and have to do everything on my own or whatever. So I really started to realize that, you know, I had to start living my life the way that of who I really am and be who I really am. And I did that, but I even did it in secret then because I was terrified that my friends in college, even the friends I had growing up from school and even the people in the fraternity I was in, et cetera, like I was always worried that if they knew, you know, I would just be completely alone. Um, and it would be incredibly difficult for you. Oh yeah, it was. And so, and even dating people through college, you know, I started to date guys, but I did it in secret and this, this will sound crazy, but I literally would tell people that, you know, cause the guy would come around all the time and I would tell him, I would tell everybody that he was my cousin because that way it made sense that we were always hanging out, but I didn't have to justify like, why is he always around? Um, and to me, that made sense. And it sounds crazy, but um, that's what I would tell people. And, you know, finally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do what you do. Have, you do what you do to survive. And to me, that's just a story of surviving and getting through it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it really came to a boiling point when I was in my early 20s. I moved out to Kansas and um, my mom was actually visiting me. And the guy I was dating at the time had pulled me into my, into the bedroom. And he was like, he started crying. And he's just like, this is just so much for me. Like, I'm so worried. I'm going to say something I shouldn't say in front of your mom. Um, Cause you know, he was just my friend, you know, to everybody and my parents, et cetera. So I finally had said, you know, I can't keep doing this. Like this is going to continue to happen throughout my life. And I just need to come clean with my parents and everybody. So I did. And um, you know, it was a, uh, it was a really tough uh, intense day when I did that. I was 23 years old, but, um, you know, I just remember my parents being extremely upset, you know, what they, the things that was said to me and, you know, how I could have gotten help if I had told them when I was younger and, you know, all that type of stuff. So, you know, all that stuff is really just burned in my memory and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget my mom's reaction and just everything like that. And it's really, it truly is my greatest hope that nobody ever has to feel that way. Um, it can just be their true selves and and not live in fear or just or in fear of being disowned or even bullied because it's really tragic to see that and even some of the stuff that's going on today um, and how it's targeting people, especially kids, um, to to not be inclusive and and be appreciative and understanding of diversity. Um, thank you for sharing all that. I know that's not easy. Um, that's a lot of trauma that you went through and to come out on the other side now and be wanting to help other people in that position, it's very commendable. So thank you. Yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, just to kind of bring it back to my original point, I mean, I think that 
know, this is why, you know, for, for me, pride is it's personal, right? Because I mean, I view pride as, you know, it's like a radiant beacon, a beacon that really guides us through all the shadows of discrimination and really empowers us to be our authentic selves and unapologetically about it, right? I mean, it's a time where we can all stand tall, we can stand hand in hand with all the shared history of struggle and triumph and just remind the world that love does not know any bounds and that our existence is a testament to resilience, to courage, and the pursuit of equality. And Pride Month really represents you know, the unwavering spirit that has really propelled the LGBTQ plus community forward where from challenging all the societal norms, demanding acceptance and inclusion. And it's really a reminder that our identities are not a source of shame, but rather a source of, of immeasurable pride paving the way for a more compassionate and inclusive future. We talk, you mentioned a lot about being authentically yourself and how important that is. And in the article, there was a stat that there are 20% of Gen Z's LGBTQ+. So it's not just a matter of firms, you know, doing it because it is the right thing to do, but it's also, it's going to be a hiring issue for them if they're not an open place to these issues. So with that in mind, what do you think firms should be doing, not just in June, but throughout the year to make themselves open so people can show up as them, their authentic selves? Yeah, and you know, actually, since the articles came out, I've even had someone reach out about that stat. So the stat actually comes from a Gallup poll that was done. Um, and the interesting point about that stat also is that it's it's it, the measurement of that is actually only out of the Gen Z people that are actually in the workforce now. So it's actually probably higher than the 20% that's, that's in the statistic of it. But that's just what we know today, right? So we're only expected to see that rise. So I mean, law firms should really start to prioritize if they aren't already creating inclusive environments to, and supporting LGBTQ plus employees for several reasons, especially considering the stat that we just referenced, right? Because a significant portion of Gen Z individuals are identifying as LGBTQ plus. So, you know, so why should law firms care? Well, I mean, there's several reasons. One would be attracting and retaining talent, right? I mean, this we live and breathe about this every day, how a competitive of a job market that we're really in here. And the organizations that foster inclusivity and diversity are going to be more likely to attract top talent. And by demonstrating commitment to supporting the, all employees, firms can really position themselves as, as a desirable workplace for a diverse pool of candidates and ultimately strengthen their talent pipeline. Um, the second point I would say is, you know, enhancing people's productivity and their overall well-being. I mean, when people feel accepted and valued for who they are and they can feel that they can bring their true authentic selves to work, that's going to lead to improved job satisfaction, improved engagement and just overall, um, you know, uh, overall well-being. Uh, the third thing I'd say is being able to expand your client base and your reputation. You know, I hear all the time from our clients how the, the firms that they're at, their clients are more increasingly all the time expecting them to have and provide statistics around, divert, you know, who do they work with as a firm? Um, because there are clients that are expecting their firms that they do business with to reflect their own values and embrace diversity. So by promoting LGBTQ plus inclusivity, you know, law firms can really attract clients who prioritize working with organizations that champion those same values. 
And even taking a stand for LGBTQ rights can enhance a firm's reputation because, you know, if you're if you're doing that, you're going to attract like-minded clients who appreciate a firm's commitment to social progress. Um, and of course, there's all the legal and compliance considerations around why firms should do this also, and the social responsibility and the ethical obligation that firms have to, to really, um, you know, promote equality, fairness, and justice, because that's what law firms are about. And they should be upholding that and promoting it and contributing to societal progress and to make a positive impact beyond their just immediate sphere of influence. Along those same lines, like, what's it feel like to be your authentic self at work now and getting to be who you are? It's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I, you know, it's nice to go into work. I don't really worry about what someone thinks about my personal lifestyle. Um, you know, what I, what I do, what I say. Um, and it's, it's just, and again, I think, as I said, it, it, for me, it's, it improves my overall well being. It's not, I don't stress about it. Um, I have increased productivity because I am motivated to work because I enjoy what I do. I love what I do and I feel, um, supported in that sense. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful feeling to have that, that you can be your authentic self and, and do that every day, not just at home, but also at work. You can show up and give your best at work then, which is exactly pretty important. I would think for firms, <laughs> any work environment really. Yeah. So you are the chair of the DEIA committee at ALA. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what your goals are in the coming year. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to focus on this year. Um, really, it all comes to around three points. One is education, two is resources, and three is promotion. So from an education standpoint, um, you know, we want to make sure that we continue to submit proposals and present, hopefully, at CLI, National Conference, et cetera, um, and also do speaking engagements at chapters across the country. Every year, the committee does a lot of presentations to the different ALA chapters across the country over various different topics, and they reach out to us, and we work as a committee to have someone do it on-site or virtually, so we'll continue to do that. And those have always been a big, um, a big uh, item for the committee. Um, we also are working on updating this, a lot of the resources we have on the ALA DEIA page. There's a ton of resources that are available to you as an ALA member and for your firms to use. Um, and a lot of that stuff has been on a regular basis. We have to go through and update that, right? Because it gets stale or just needs refresh. So a lot of the things we're going to do from the resources standpoint this year is making sure that we've updated some of the documents that have been a couple of years since they've been refreshed, updating some of the presentations to make sure the statistics are accurate and up to date, updating our toolkits, um, things like that. And then from a promotion standpoint, you know, uh, making sure that we're continuing to provide good DEIA content that can be shared with the, the ALA community, um, webinars, roundtables, promoting all that type of stuff, um, and just helping to amplify the um, strategic pillar that ALA has around DEINA. I mean, and members, um, I invite you to go ahead and check out the page. It's rich in resources. Like it just, the content you have on there is remarkable. Yeah, it is. The committee does a great job. So uh, we talk about you know, your your story is one of hope. And I think representation matters so much. And in today's world, so there is so much legislation specifically targeting the LGBTQ plus community, specifically trans kids. So in this environment, 
What do you think law firms should be doing along those lines to, be, to, to show support? Because like we talked about the Gen Z stat, but at the very least, your employees could have children who are in that position. Um, so representation matters, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So what can firms do to help represent that community? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that firms can do, not just in the month of June for Pride Month, but just, you know, throughout the entire year as as supporters of the overall community. Um, you know, a couple of things that come to mind is as simple as just flying the, flying the Pride flag um, outside your office or just showing to show that support or even putting it in your email signature or on your website. Or like at SurePoint, we change our logo to have a rainbow colored logo during the month of June, as a lot of companies do to show just that support of the community. Um, participate in Pride events. You know, a lot of cities across the country have big parades in June and then they have events are all around all month long in the month of June. And so law firms can, can sponsor those. You can march in them. You can uh, participate in them. That's another great way to show support. Um, you can make donations to uh, the organizations that support the rights and issues around LGBTQ+. And that can be done, you know, publicly or privately. Um, you know, depending on a firm's preference, but you can organize training sessions um, at your firms to talk about DEINA topics to help promote and understand an understanding and, and a respect for LGBTQ plus issues. Uh, specifically, since all you know, we're dealing with law firms here, doing pro bono projects that support LGBTQ plus rights and issues, such as you know, offering some legal services to um, LGBTQ plus refugees, or even with some of this legislation that we're seeing in some of the states that target LGBTQ plus people um, and all the gender marking and changes and all that stuff. Um, and also just using your social media channels to help share information about pride, highlight employees that you have, um, share resources to help support the community. Um, you know, host events, have happy hours, networking events. There's a lot of things you can do as a firm to show your support um, and, to, and to make a statement that, you know, that you are a firm that that is inclusive. You promote DEINA and, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a safe place for these people. Well, Lawrence Winters, thank you so much for being here with us today and being so open with us. Thank you again, Valerie. And I really hope that everyone will join me in raising their rainbow flags high for a celebrating Pride Month and celebrating love, authenticity, and a beautifully diverse tapestry of humanity. I can't think of a better message to end on than that. As always, thank you for listening. You can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. You can watch more episodes of Legal Management Talk on ALA's YouTube channel or subscribe to the pod wherever you download your podcasts. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.